Welcome to Bridge City Church. We are here to lead people in a deeper relationship with Jesus and to grow the church locally, nationally and internationally. We pray you are blessed by this message. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 to 15. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And everyone said, Amen. We want to talk this morning about um, deception and the difference between truth and lies and perception of truth and lies in our hearts and in our souls and in the society that we live in, the days that we're living in. And um, I want to just quickly... uh, paint a picture of what the fall of man was all about because um, there's lots of thoughts and trends about what the fall of man was but effectively Genesis chapter 3 paints a picture of how sin entered the world. Um, The word sin means literally missing the mark so we're not hitting the mark, we're not aiming for the target And, and that indicates that there's a failure on the part of those that are making choices um not doing what they should do or what is required of them or what is the right thing to do. And man, um, originally, God created man to live in the garden in a perfect place, a place of light, a place without sin, a place without sorrow or tears or rejection or jealousy or any of the things that um, we struggle with these days. But um, he was created in the image of man. Um, man was created in the image of God. You know, male and female, God created them in his image. And that's not that we look like God does, but our spirits are what God has given us. And that is the image that we are to um, portray as as we walk this world as believers in Christ. Um, And to live in that union with God, that incredible relationship with God, could you imagine what it was like to live in the Garden of Eden before sin came into the world, before anything went wrong? And just to walk in that incredible um, presence of God with nothing between us and God, literally nothing between us and God. 
But then Adam and Eve's failure in their task was that uh, they, they chose to rebel. Eve made that choice. She was tempted by the serpent. Some would call him the devil. But we know that the devil is a deceiver. And I want to look at that a little bit afterwards. They were seduced by the evil of the serpent into believing that they could be like God or like God's, the old King James says, small g, um, by their own will and their own effort. So when we talk about the fall, we're referring to Genesis 3 and that's where sin entered the world and that um, Adam and Eve were the first man and woman that God created and Eve sinned first and then her husband came along and did the same thing. Um, They did specifically that first sin was disobeying God. So why is that significant for us today? And it's because Adam and Eve sinned that those repercussions are seen through the centuries from the very day, the very beginning when that happened. It's through the centuries right down to the current time now. And we are, um, we're all paying for that price, all mankind. But Paul says there's good news in all of this because Paul says in Romans 5.12 that through one man sin entered into the world. And by this one man, death was brought into the world. But the awesome news is that through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that when we repent of our sins, when we turn away from our sins, when we acknowledge and say, God, you are my God. Jesus, you are my Lord and Saviour. You gave your life for me, a once-for-all sacrifice. We can enter back into that place of incredible relationship with God and into the presence of God so that we can walk with him, we can talk with him. And not only that, we can hear him because the relationship with God that he would have us in is a two way relationship we talk he hears he talks and hopefully we hear and then can walk in obedience to that so that is um, that is the fall and this is what I want to look at today we're all united in Christ Jesus we're one body many parts Um, we talk in this church about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is God's church right throughout the whole world we don't build little empires we are building kingdom and we're building according to God's pattern and plan for us and that's why at Bridge City Church we always preach the word of God we don't preach philosophies or any of those things that are in opposition to what God's word says so today because we're made in alive in Christ let's look at deception and the difference between truth and lie deception what is it it's to mislead by deliberate misrepresentation or lies It comes coupled with its cousin called deceit. (laughs) The act of practice, act or practice of deceiving, making a statement, an act or a devising of misleading, tricking or frauding people. And there are a couple of professors of communication in America by the name of Buller and Burgoon who have stated that they believe that there are three different types of deception. One is instrumental and that is that that deception is when we deceive to avoid punishment or to protect our resources, the things we have. The other is relational and that is maintaining relationships or bonds. We, We may be deceitful in things so that we can preserve those relationships or bonds we have. And the last one is in our, our identity, our image, to preserve face or our self-image. 
So we know that God is good. We know that he sent Jesus for us. Pastor Trevor preached a couple of weeks ago about the realm of the spirit. And I want to look a little into that today. But the realm of the spirit says that the serpent was cunning in verse 1. We have an enemy. We really do have an enemy. And the enemy is not clothed in human flesh, although sometimes he speaks through human flesh. But the plan of the enemy is to blind us to God's truth. And when he blinds us from God's truth, if he can't do that, he wants to distort the truth. Did God not say? Question mark. Did he not say? What has God challenged? Um, what has the enemy challenged you with in things that are happening in your life? The enemy will challenge those godly boundaries in your life. He'll challenge the very essence of the word in your life. And he will say, what about, what about, have you thought about? And I'm not saying we shouldn't go down that path of thinking about the things that are important in our lives. Our, our relationship with God is the most important thing ever. You know, our relationship with our partner, with our, with our children, our grandchildren, our friends, even with our dogs, you know. Proverbs says, a, a wise man is kind to his animals. Um, there's a lovely young lady sitting here who brought Angel to the hub, her little puppy to the hub on Friday. So gorgeous. And you could see the love in that little dog and the love that she has. So a, a, a good man or a good woman is, is kind to their animals as well. But questioning what God had told them to do. And this is, this is the essence of undermining faith and undermining a certain assurance of what God is saying in our lives. Has God indeed said you should not eat of every tree in the garden? And logic said, they looked, Eve looked. She saw it was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes, so it looked nice. And it was desirable to make one wise. You know, if I do that, perhaps if I do that, my eyes will be open and I will be like a, a God to myself. See, logic can benefit us in many ways, but unless we filter our logic through into the Word of God and what the Spirit of the Lord is telling us, that logic is potentially an area of deception that the enemy wants to use to get us off track. See, God's given us all a mind. He's given us all the capacity to think, to see, um, to feel, to express our emotions or not. Some people are, are, are not keen to do that. But, um, you know, he's created each one of us individually and uniquely. And the intellect that he has given us is proportionate to the, the degree that he's called us to do the things that he wants us to do. In other words, if he's called you to be a, a brain surgeon, he's given you the brain to do that. If he has called you to be a counsellor, he's given you to bra the brain to do that, that intellect to think through those things. If he's called you to be um, a mum or a dad or a sister or a brother or a friend. He has given you the capacity of your mind to process the thoughts and the feelings that you have. So we need to understand that whatever God, God has called you to do, he's equipped you to do it. He's given you the, the mind for that. 
The Bible also says he has given us the mind of Christ for our situation. So even if we think that we're not up to it and we are not able to do those things, if God has called you, God is faithful, God will complete that which concerns us today and God will take us to a place of victory as we do those things as well. See, God never intended for us to be exposed to the sin of the world because there was no sin Um, the the devil fell from heaven. He was one of those fallen angels. He led a band of one third of the angels of heaven and that's where it started. And then he appeared as a serpent in the Garden of Eden and said, has God not said? You see, the sin of pride, which was in Lucifer who became the devil, was the very thing that caused him to be in the garden when God created Adam and Eve, created them perfect in his sight, clothed in in the righteousness that was theirs in God. And and the devil came in and said, what about this? Has God not said? What about the logic of this? You've got all these trees, why not this one? So, so very often our logic says, why can't we have it all? Why can't we have it all? I've got this much, but I want that much. But unless we are filtering it through what God is saying to us and, and walking in obedience to what God has for us, there is bound to be disappointment, discouragement, despair and a falling down of the things that we are entering into when we start to apply logic to what we want to do and not apply God's word, God's truth, appropriate the prayer and that language that we have in prayer with him and say, God, what about this? I'm seeing this, I'm feeling this, but what are you showing me in this? Because I want to walk in obedience to you this day. So it's an attack that comes against us. It's a subtle attack. And there are many things in our lives that can be affected by these attacks. The church is under attack You never, ever open a paper. Does anyone ever buy papers these days? (laughs) You never, ever open an internet link (laughs) to read the news without you seeing some form of discrimination against the church or a pastor or a leader or or something that's going on or criticism. There's such an undermining of the family unit these days. Godly families are the fabric of society and they're the fabric that God builds strong communities out of. And, you know, we, we, we applaud families in this church who are bringing their kids up in the love of God and in the word of God and applying those principles that, you know, it's God first in our lives. And so that's an awesome thing. But families are so under attack and the enemy has got in and, and done all sorts of things. So there's been... You know, our world today, we see a breakdown of relationships. We see a breakdown of family units. We see undermining of authority. We see disorder in our world. We can see anarchy in some aspects of our world. We also see that anything goes. And you you hear the saying, well, if it feels good, do it. You know, it's not affecting anyone else but you. And that's a lie. (laughs) Because every life affects the life that is in their world. Just like Eve was tempted by the serpent and she chose to take of that fruit, she chose to eat of that fruit because she applied the logic, oh well, you know, sounds good to me, it's okay, it won't affect anybody else but it's affected the whole of mankind for all eternity. So much so that God had to send his one and only son to provide a way back from out of that darkness into the light that God wants us all to live in. It's incredible. So when you think, oh, well, it's not going to affect anyone, 
Have a stop and think about the ones that you love. Have a stop and think about the ones that love you. And then take it to Jesus and say, Lord, what would you have me do? And walk in that. You see, we have incredible freedom in Christ. We have amazing freedom in Christ. But it's not without conditions. Love your neighbour as yourself. Submit yourself to God. Resist the enemy and he will flee from you. But that fleeing of the enemy doesn't come until you submit yourself to God and then resist. So if there's things like the serpent coming into your life and saying, why don't you do fill in the blank? When we submit ourselves to God, say, God, this is the thought that I've had. You see, sin is not the thought that you have. Sin is entertaining that thought and following through with an action as a result of that thought. So if we submit those things to God, those plans that we have to God, and say, Lord, you show me. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Show me in your word. Confirm it through other godly people in my life. And have that interaction and that intimate discussion with God so he can show you what it is that needs to happen in your life, then you can resist the devil and he will flee. Jesus was 40 days in the wilderness. He fasted 40 days and he went out into the wilderness and the enemy came at him and tempted him and said, you know, all of this stuff, you know, throw yourself down. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. And Jesus answered, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And even Jesus, Christ in the flesh, if he had to use the word of God, he chose to use the word of God as an example for us so that when we're under pressure and when we're being attacked, we can say, it is written and apply that word and walk in the path that God has for us. And then we can say with great courage and great determination, the blood of Jesus applies to my life. Get thee behind me, Satan. You have not in mind the things of God. And we can walk in that. But logic taken to the extreme is a deception unless we submit it to God. Is everyone okay today? You with me? (laughs) I've got nine pages of notes and I'm on page three. How long have you got? (laughs) Verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Then she gave it to her husband with her and he ate. So first the questioning. The enemy comes in and questions. Then he makes a bold statement. You won't die. (laughs) Guess what? We're all going to die. But we get to choose where we spend our eternity. And that is the good news because Christ has paid the price for us. Isn't that amazing? Enemy said you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And that was a deception in itself. Because unless we know God, we're not going to understand good and evil. Because there's such a, um, there's a nuance, there's a... There's a There's a a wrong thinking that comes in and says you can justify anything that you want to in your life if you make a good enough case for it. 
But we are made in the likeness of God. And verse 5 said, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. Eve succumbed to the temptation. And instead of her eyes being opened, she was actually blinded to the truth. And sin and guilt came into the world. And then she shared it with Adam. Isn't it funny how when you start to do some things wrong, you like to have company? (laughs) And I always think, well, where was Adam when Eve was being tempted? Why wasn't he at her side? Why wasn't he there saying, come on, love, let's go. (laughs) Let's go and pick from another tree. (laughs) Sin likes company. It really does. Proverbs 1.10 says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And so when those questions come in your life, there is all these things that we need to ask ourselves. When that logic pops up and says, you could do that, you could have a go at this, what does it matter? First thing we need to say is, what does God say about this? What does God's word say about this? And what is the spirit of God within me showing me through this? Is there a quickening of my spirit? Is there a twisting in my spirit? Do I have a sense of unease about it all? So what choices should I make? The subtlety of the enemy is you'll do this, you have great freedom and everything's going to be rosy. But Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 8, 31 to 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word and you are my disciples indeed, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You see, it's not the logic and it's not the deception and it's not the lies and it's not the feeling good. It's the truth in God that sets us free to be the people that God has created us to be. He also said, Jesus also said in John 14, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But the enemy will come and use anything he can. He will use God's word to try and trick you, try and tap you, trip you up and, and tempt you. And I don't want this to be a negative message today, but I'm just feeling like at the outset of the year, when we came around the word last week, we spoke about the ploughing, the, the words that God had given me for this year, the ploughing, that the hard ground is going to be ploughed up for the resurrection to come, the life and the restoration that is coming back from things that had been dead and gone and buried and then the colour returning into the world. You see, death comes through sin. And the good news is that through Christ Jesus, we can have this abundance of life. We can walk in victory despite what we see, despite what we feel, despite the attacks that come against us. And we can walk in that place of newness of life, knowing that we have a Saviour who died for us, who gave his life for us, that we might live. He made a way back, that all died in Adam, but through Christ Jesus, we can live and live that life from the moment we accept Jesus as Saviour and Lord right through into eternity. And you know, there is so much in that. And maybe next week. (laughs) But Satan 
is the enemy of God. And Satan wants to kill us. He wants to steal from us. He wants to destroy from us. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Or another version says, have it in abundance. And abundance is overflowing as we walk in God. Paul spoke about false apostles. And I just want to talk for a minute about the subtlety of how things can appear. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14. Uh, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. You see, if he appeared to you with his pitchfork and his, his horns and his red spiky tail, you'd run a million miles, wouldn't you? But he's clever. He's been around a very long time. And he comes to deceive. He comes in the form as an angel of light. So what your mind might say is, oh, that's all right. It looks all right. It looks harmless. It's not going to hurt me. Unless you run it through the filter of your spirit and apply it back to God and say, what about this, Lord? And I'm not saying be suspicious of everything, but there's some things that just hit you and you think, hang on a minute. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem so good. And God will show you. You see, he comes in many forms. And it can look good, like the tree, the fruit, looked good. You can see the use it might be, pleasant to the eye. It's going to give you wisdom, going to give you position. But in the end, it leads to death, doesn't it? John eight forty four. You are of your father, the devil, Jesus said, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. That's the devil. When he speaks a lie... He speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of lies. See, when you're presented with a tray of lollies and they're red and shiny <laughs> and they look good, they look great, but red, let's, let's, can I say a brand name? Smarties? Skittles? <laughs> You've got a, a tray of Smarties or Skittles. They're red and they're shiny and they look good. They look palatable and they think, oh, they're only little, one won't hurt. But then on another plate is, a, is another tray of red, shiny little, little pills that look to all intents and purposes just like Smarties. But unless you pick from the right plate, one is, a, one is a harmless lolly, the other can be cyanide or a pill that can take you out. And that's how sin is and that's how the enemy comes at you to deceive you. So unless we're taking those thoughts back through Christ and saying, what is this, Lord? We can fall into deception and all of us have been there in one way, shape or form. You know, I haven't always been a believer and I think about some of the mistakes I made which I thought were good ideas and even as a believer I've thought, that's a good idea, let's do that. But unless it's a God idea, good is the enemy of God. Good is the enemy of best, which is God. God is the best. So we need to have that discernment to understand that God is wanting us to run all these things by him, to take them in communion with him and say, what about this, Lord? And we have our today. We can't change our yesterday and our tomorrows have not yet come. But the choices we make 
potential, have the potential. One will bless and the other might take us out. What seems like a good idea at the time. It seemed like a really good idea to Eve at the time. And so began the great battleground of humanity for all the ages. But you know what? Jesus is coming back again. And he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And he's coming back as the mighty, conquering hero. He's coming back on that white horse and emblazoned on his thighs. A king of kings and lord of lords. He came the first time as a baby in a manger. He came in human form to be brought up in the city of Nazareth. And he came that he might die the death that all of us deserve. But when he comes back again, he's coming back for us. He's coming back in victory and he's coming back at a date that only he knows. But I know that God is challenging us as his church. Let's get it right. Let's move forward. Let's see deception for what it is. Let's see truth for what it is. Let's keep a close account of our own lives, our own hearts, the things we think, the things we say, the things we do. Is it pleasing to God? It, because at the end of the day, unless it's pleasing to God, it really doesn't matter. We've got to, we've got to walk in the path set for him because God says if you live you live under the shadow of him, the, the shadow of the Almighty. Under his feathers you take your rest. He makes even your enemies to live at peace with you. So when you're walking in God and in his truth and seeing, um, seeing the world for how it is and loving the people of the world. You see, love covers a multitude of sin. And none of us is without sin, not one of us. And so as we just keep looking to God and saying, God, show me. God, show me what I need to do. You see, we can be so deceived, even in, in our own self-image and the things we think about ourselves. I'm no good. I've gone too far away from God. You know, a wrong sense of self. Our, our minds are struggling. How can I ever make a difference for the kingdom of God? It's all deception. It's all lies. Because we can all make a difference in the kingdom of God. We can all make a difference in the world we're living in. Sometimes we can think, oh, I've gone too far, I've blown it, you know, how am I ever going to come back from this? Well, First John says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, these things that we sometimes believe, oh, I've really blown it now. No, come back to Jesus, ask his forgiveness, ask to walk in that grace again because sometimes we can start making mistakes and you can isolate yourself. You, you feel like you're not part of the body of Christ. You can walk away from him. You feel like your day has been done and yet there is no end to what God wants to do in you and through you. You are wondrously made, church. You are. You're fearfully and wondrously made and God has a plan for your life and the minute that we make mistakes, and I'm probably preaching, I'm preaching to the converted, but I'm preaching myself happy today. The minute that you start and make those mistakes, you can think, oh, this is too hard. You know, I didn't see it for what it was. I, I'm really struggling. Come back to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. You see, the minute that you start believing that you've disqualified yourself from what God wants to do in you and through you, you are falling for that deception yet again. 
you're becoming a small g. You're actually exalting yourself above what God says about you, that you are more than a conqueror, that he sent his son to die for you, that you are amazing in Christ. And, and I, I, I look around, I look in my world and some of the people that I minister to and, and with and I think, Lord... These people need a fresh revelation. I need a fresh revelation daily of how awesome you are and the plans that you want to work in each of us as part of the body of Christ because there is a world that is dying and sick and in need of a saviour and a world that is believing the lie that's been spoken over them, whether it's from childhood or whether it's from events that have occurred in their lives that have blinded them to the truth of God. And that breaks my heart. It absolutely breaks my heart. But the flip side of it sometimes is you can feel that you're absolutely invincible. And that's not true either. So we can wax and wane, but the pendulum can swing. And you think that you're strong enough to do anything at all that you want to do, but you're only strong enough to do the things God's called you to do in his strength, in his timing, according to his purpose. Because if we think we can conquer the world on our own, then I think we need to see a psychologist because we may have narcissistic tendencies. (laughs) Deception will choke the word out of your life. And I'm going to, how am I going for time? I'm done, aren't I? I've got so much more. <laughs> Just quickly, Colossians 2, 8 to 10. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, that's Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. The Holy Spirit will show you the truth. John 14, 17. Oh, how we need him. (laughs) The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. John 15 talks about when the helper comes. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our comforter. He's our guide. He teaches us. He leads us. And he will always point to God. He will always testify of God. He's amazing. Because our war is not against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities and the powers, rulers in dark places. Ephesians 6 against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And we have victory in Christ. He's given us his spirit to hear his word, to see with the eyes of truth that we would know the truth. As Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And just quickly, quickly. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day and Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. 
such sadness in that statement that we would be afraid because of our nakedness before God. And God said, where are you? He knew exactly where they were, but he wanted that reply from Adam. So God sometimes says, where are you? (laughs) Where are you? I miss you. Come talk to me. Come sit at my feet. And Adam was afraid. Eve was afraid. And so when we run from the sound of God's voice, is it because we're listening to another voice that is not telling us the truth? Because let me tell you today, God loves you so much that he sent his son to die in your place, in my place. What an awesome God. He doesn't condemn us. He loves us and he accepts us as we are. And when we come to him, warts and all, he says, my beloved child, where have you been? Come to me. Jesus says, come to me all ye who are weary and laden and I will give you rest. You see, the true rest comes from being in the presence of God, loving him. Isn't that amazing? And then the Lord God said, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. She acknowledged what she had done. Her eyes were really opened in that moment. But Adam said, that woman you gave me, (laughs) he passed the buck. She did it. And she made me. And so often we might say, well, it's not my fault, it's theirs. You know, we've got to own our own responsibility, take responsibility for our own mistakes and not pass the buck. And if you're not being treated right, give it to God. But I love that Eve said that she was deceived and she took of it. And that's the hope that comes when we have that revelation that I was deceived and now I'm seeing the truth for the first time. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace, your amazing grace, in the precious name of Jesus. And we just thank you today for your word. Father, I pray for each one in this place today and those that are watching online, Father, that they would have that revelation that truth is so subjective and it's only according to your word. I pray, Father, that the scales will fall from our eyes, that just like Paul on the road to Damascus, Saul, he was thinking he was going about God's business and he was doing everything that needed to be done, but he had a revelation of Christ as the risen Lord and the scales fell from his eyes. I pray, Father, that our eyes would be opened to see you in all your glory and see you for how you see us, Lord God. I pray, Father, against, Lord, wrong thoughts and, and things that have come in and a 
unadulterated the word of God, the purity of your word in, in hearts and lives. I pray for people in this place today who are carrying guilt and sin in their lives. Some of it has been their, um, their doing, but other things have been placed on them, words spoken over them, things and situations that have happened to them in their life. Father, I just pray that their eyes would truly be open to know that it's not too late and they can come back to you. They can lay down those weights and burdens that hinder them and run with endurance the race that you have given them to run. I pray, Father, for those that have walked in sin or are walking in sin right now, that as we confess our sin, that you will take us into a place of forgiveness and grace. I pray for those that um, come to you now and say, Lord, forgive my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. I see for truth what it really is that has happened in my life. And I want to be the best version of me that you are making me to be, God. I want to serve you. I want to receive Jesus as my Saviour and Lord. And Lord, I have walked with you. But Lord, I want to come into that newness of life today. Understanding that the spirit of truth, your spirit in me, will show me the things I need to see. And give me that discernment I need in the days that we're living in. Father, I pray for those that are receiving you as Saviour and God for the first time today. I pray, Lord, that you would just take them, take hold of their lives, Lord God, and begin to rebuild them from the inside out. Father, restore to them the dignity and the image, the self-worth that you want them to walk in, Lord God, knowing that the God of creation is their father. They're accepted in the beloved. I pray, Father, that we would see those things that we need to see. Lord, that you would show us. And Father, when we are uncertain, help us to come to you in prayer so that you can bring that revelation and show us the way to walk. Mm. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honour. Help us to be wise as serpents, not the serpent in the garden, but gentle as doves. Lord, your word says that the wisdom of man is foolishness to you. Father, we want to walk in your wisdom, not man's wisdom, all the days of our lives. We commit ourselves into your hands now, in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. If you would like to find out more, you can get in touch with us on our website at bridgecitychurch.com.au. See you next time.